You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Rico Muhammad, and this is the Rates and Lanes podcast. Tonight, we're going to be joined by our special resident uh, legal expert, Mr. Hank Seaton, is joining us. In the format of the show tonight, we're going to switch it up just a little bit. Hank is at a dinner with uh, uh, with some industry people, and we don't want to keep him too long, so we got him for about 45 minutes. So for all of you ladies and gentlemen that are joining us tonight, if you have any type of legal questions, um, whether it's surrounding contracts, the new Food Safety Act, I know that that's something that's been going on real hot and heavy, go ahead and press number one, get in the call queue early, because we're going to uh, try to release Hank more towards, uh, we're going to keep him maybe about 30, 45 minutes, and we're going to have all of the rest of our format of the show, the uh, DAT trend lines and the uh, and the bad broker report and the USDA report at the end of the show. So if you got questions, go ahead and press number one now. Let's get, get them in. And without that, with that being said, and without any further ado, let's go ahead and welcome in Mr. Hank Seaton. Thank him for joining us. Hank, are you there? I am here, Rico, and uh, good evening. I appreciate you juggling the schedule a little bit. I'm out with the auto haulers tonight in Atlanta, so uh, uh, the dinner is waiting. But I, I definitely want to have a chance to visit with you and the, and the folks on the line. I guess what we ought to do is just kind of start with a a monthly update of uh, of of interesting topics you have mentioned the uh, food safety modernization act that went live uh on april 7th for larger carriers and uh, it's probably having a ripple effect to, through to the smaller refrigerated carriers now there are two issues really uh facing small carriers number one is in the vetting process they need to be able to evidence to brokers and carriers that they are knowledgeable about the Food Safety Modernization Act and that they are training their drivers accordingly. Uh, uh, As I've mentioned before, I think uh, joining the protocol and uh, figuring out uh, uh, what non-delegable duties there are is is important. That's uh, uh, there are over 400 uh, carriers, large and small, that are part of that protocol now. the uh, the more uh, insidious aspect of the Food Safety Modernization Act is a lot of large shippers uh, who will go nameless tonight are taking the new bill as an opportunity to uh, say the government made me do it and put in contracts provisions that would say effectively that they reserve the right to reject, crush, and dump shipments, even though the uh, Food Safety Modernization Act says that if a shipment could be contaminated, it can be inspected, and that uh, the shipper could mitigate the damages. They're taking the position with uh, in their contracts that unless you agree to let them reject, crush, and dump shipments, uh, they don't won't contract with you. Uh, the larger carriers, I think, are pushing back on it, as should anybody, because uh, carriers very typically cannot buy cargo insurance that will cover that kind of waiver of mitigation and waiver of inspection. So 
uh, that's going to be a hot topic. It's going to be something that small carriers are going to need to, A, check with their insurer to confirm that uh, those kinds of claims won't be paid and accordingly uh, be very risk adverse for uh, signing on to those kinds of obligations. I've seen contracts that said that you warrant you'll maintain the temperature within two degrees variance or it will be contaminated. And all of these rules are just very, very far removed from what has been the traditional practice. And Rico, you know it better than I do in, in your industry and uh, putting unreasonable demands on uh, on carriers that uh, uh, you, 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 there needs to be, I think, uniform pushback on. So that'll take care of the food safety. There are 39,000 uh, small carriers in that space alone. So I assume we have a, a number of people on the line that that affects. On a broader issue uh, in terms of uh, where we are, the Trump administration is 82 days into uh, uh, the administration. Obviously, we weren't promised anything in the first 100 days, but we have gotten some things. The uh, a Congressional Review Act put on hold uh, certain uh, uh, agency initiatives, uh, most importantly probably the speed limiter uh, uh, rule. Uh, it didn't uh, affect the ELD. Uh, the ELD is still scheduled for December, but there there are grace periods. The cost of the ELD I don't think is going to be overwhelming. But everybody seems to say that the combination of the ELD and strict adherence to the hours of service plus increased shipper demand for timely deliveries is going to result in a productivity loss of as much as 8%. At some point, shippers need to understand that uh, uh, carriers have to be paid to wait and that you can't keep uh, uh, a, a window of delivery of 15 minutes uh, that's just a commentary. That's uh, nothing that the law requires. Uh, next week, on April the 28th, Congress has to come up with a, uh, an appropriations bill, or basically all of uh, uh, government uh, goes on hiatus. We can argue whether that would be a good thing or a bad thing, but it scares everybody. And there will be some kind of uh, funding bill and uh, there may be some surprises in the funding bill. Uh, uh, obviously, since uh, pro-business people control uh, the House and the Senate and the presidency, hopefully the surprises will be helpful. And, and uh, uh, there's kind of a shudder on what will ultimately be in the bill, but uh, that, that, that may, may have a positive effect uh, uh, for trucking. Other than that, uh, the agency seems to... Uh, uh, to be uh, quiet, uh, they were uh, taken to the woodshed a bit when 63 associations, including the ATA, finally uh, took the position that uh, the safety fitness determination was ill-conceived, and the agency agreed to shelf that. Sometime in, in June, we're supposed to have a report of the National Academies of Science on evaluating SMS methodology. Uh, some of us are hopeful that they'll say that uh, it's uh, irreparable, but uh, I don't think we'll see publishing of SMS scores uh, 
for the next couple of years. Uh, I remain concerned. Uh, I'd be interested for comments from listeners uh, about uh, the agency's use of SMS methodology and enhanced investigations to rough up people for safety violations. Uh, there, there seems to be no identifiable uh, law that's being followed in that in that area. And I guess I've done a lot of stream of consciousness to get a bunch of issues on the table, but uh, uh, subject to questions, uh, that's kind of the state of where we are here in day after tax day. Absolutely, Hank. We appreciate that. And um, going backwards just a little bit, going back to where we uh, initially started with this Food Safety Modernization Act, uh, some of the practices that we are seeing, uh, and, and I forwarded you a couple of them, Brokers are are making their own addendums and 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 attaching that it, along with their um, regular broker contract. Um, how should if 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 you got a carrier that signed on with you guys, um, how would that affect? Uh, how would how would you push back on that rather? How how would you suggest listeners to handle that situation? Um, should they arise? Well, I think I think the first I think I think the first thing that I would say in response is we have an existing contract with you. Nothing in the Food Safety Modernization Act changes our obligations to deliver uh, uh, to deliver your product. Uh, we participate in the protocol which gives you adequate warranty that we're familiar with the Food Safety Modernization Act and will comply. Uh, we are certainly not going to sign to any additional obligations. The Food Safety Modernization Act, among other things, requires that shipments uh, that could be contaminated must be inspected. Uh, uh, I think, depending upon what's in the contract, you need to, you need to look at it. Uh, uh, I'd be happy to, uh, on behalf of listeners, to take a look at it. If they would send it to me, my email address is h-e-s-e-a-t-o-n at a-o-l and help them uh, redact uh, unacceptable language. I think some of the most unacceptable language that I'm seeing is this idea that if there is a violation of seal integrity, nobody has to even look at the load it doesn't even matter if there's no evidence of internal contamination. You bought the whole load because for a small carrier, unless you've got some super insurance, uh, you're just going to be faced with the, uh, the sooner or later a hole in your pocket for uh, $30,000 or more that's um, not covered by your insurance. So, uh so, uh, I, you know, I think the responsible brokers that uh, I'm familiar with uh, are uh, trying to push back as best they can. Uh, I fear so, that some of them think, well, gee, if I've got uh, three shippers that require these kind of draconian things, I'd better get those requirements for my subcontractors for everybody and you know that kind of cram down on small people is certainly not something I can advocate. Now I know, notwithstanding that, you're going to say, "But hell, I got to have the freight." So, you know, all I can do is point out the risk, and you have to you have to accept it or decline it. Absolutely. At the end of the day, that that's that's the most critical part. 
Um, but let's let's try and walk this out to a, a logical conclusion. Let's say, for instance, if uh, because I, I, I happened to catch it, I had a broker that sent me uh, sent me over that contract. Say, well, we just we're, tr- we're just trying to get all our carriers to uh, we we got to have them renew these new contracts. And I'm saying, well, what's new in the contract? And they, they the guy really wouldn't tell me what was new in the contract. And uh, as I'm scrolling through it, I've seen the addendum pertaining to the Food Safety and Modernization Act. And so, um, and like you said, the language was that was in there, I don't know if you remember that one or not, uh, you emailed me back on it. Uh, the language is in there specifically like you were just talking about, about, uh, you know, if the seal was broken, uh, that it was considered contaminated, and, and, uh, and, and the same thing with the, uh, the 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 temperatures and everything. That they they basically had sole discretion on whether or not the, um, that you could crush it, dump it, regardless of if it could be uh, yeah, I mean, salvaged yeah, or look, not. Why don't Why don't I just do this? Uh, I'm just going to freeform anybody's got a pencil. Take this down. We've read uh, We've read your uh, addendum. It uh, far exceeds the requirements of the Food Safety Modernization Act. We have joined the protocol warranting compliance with the delegable responsibilities. Period. Uh, the uh, The representations in warrant you uh, uh, request or represent uninsurable interests. We cannot accept. Period. And I mean that pretty well. That pretty well will stand for the kinds of things you talk about, which is uh, rejection because of a broken seal. That is just not part of the Food Safety Modernization Act, and it's just it's just an excuse uh, for uh, people to break cargo losses over you rather than rather than fooling with having to accept and mitigate the damages. Uh, as I've mentioned before, I have seen it particularly out of some wholesale groceries who will reject the load because it's late and then claim that, uh, uh, you know, the seal was broken and God knows whatever else happened. But uh, there's, if you don't have a report that shows that the product was actually damaged, 90% of the cargo carriers will not cover the loss. So I guess you just have to ask yourself, is this particular broker worth that chance? And I really hope that people are listening to that and, and really taking that to heart, because the 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 old way of it's not it's really not a problem until it becomes a problem, unfortunately. And then by that time, it's 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 a little too bit too far down the road to really even try to protect yourself, especially if you sign uh, one of these contracts that has that language in there. And, 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 yeah, you know, I, I mean, was, you know, you could look at it this way. This may be a bad analogy, but it's kind of like not wearing your seatbelt. You know, you may be lucky and go through life and not be in a wreck where the seatbelt makes a difference, but it may save your life too. So, you know, I'm not saying uh, that uh, a small carrier may not be able to exist and prosper uh, and never, never have a $40,000 offset. But for a small carrier, $40,000 offset means a whole lot more than it does for uh, somebody who's got 3,000 trucks and play the odds. It's kind of like, you know, where, if you're a gambler, uh, where you really lose out uh, is because you don't play enough. The house ultimately wins. And, you know, at the end of the day, what the shippers are doing is just criminal. They do it because they can. I've had them tell me that. I've talked to them. 
uh, when you when my client is told, well, we've never changed this, and I say, well, let me talk to their lawyer, and then I say, look, you know this kind of indemnity isn't fair. You know there's nothing wrong with it. Why are you doing it? And the answer is, uh, we're the shipper, and we do it because we can. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's I'm at a loss of words on that one. That's that's crazy. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, we got Hank for, we're going to try to keep him maybe for about another 15, 20 minutes at, at the most. If you guys got questions, press number one. That gets you in queue so you can talk to Hank or myself, but we're only going to have Hank for a brief little period of time. So if you, I suggest if you got questions surrounding anything, anything, transportation law, go ahead and press number one, get in now while we got them on board, and we're going to come back, circle back around, and, and, and cover the stuff that we normally cover from the beginning of the show. I see we had an influx of people that just popped in on the phone line, so I just wanted to make sure that we put that out there. Um, and the other thing, Hank, is, um, like I was saying, give us uh, the, um, I'm sorry, the, the, the new book, Rules of the Road. How can people get a hold of that book? Because we need to get more and more people educated to to be more aware of the different types well, of clauses in contracts as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. You can go to our law firm website and order it. Uh, it's transportationlaw.net. It's transportationlaw.net. And, uh, you know, I'm... I'm happy to say that, you know, as it gets greater circulation, I get more people saying that, you know, it's a pretty useful, a pretty useful summary. And, uh, uh, you know, the index seems to seems to work well for people. It covers a a number of different topics. Uh, If there's anybody that's uh, on the line who is who is a new entrant and facing the new carrier entrant uh, uh, issue and needs to needs help in terms of uh, uh, getting their DQ files and supporting documents and uh, uh, being sure they're ready for the new carrier audit, you might also contact me. We're we're working on providing forms and details and things that will help small carriers in that regard as well. I'm going to, and just touching back on the Food Safety and Modernization Act, I'm going to be putting up a link once again on the Facebook page for rates and lanes to go over to Hank's company, TransComply. Uh, they can help you guys get involved with the um, with the uh, 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 with the new protocol, so that you got something to help protect you. So we're going to put links up for that as well. And I think we have a caller that wants to get in. So let me get to the caller from three two zero area code. Caller, you're on live with Rico and Hank. How can we help? Hey, Rico and Hank, this is Glenn. I've called a few times. Uh, in fact, yeah, just right before our show, I got done just doing the uh, TransComply training that you guys have with the uh, University of Tennessee. And um, when you're talking about these contracts, like, and this may be more applicable to uh, some of the people who've carried uh, loads for uh, Swift and then with Knight buying them, then I had a contract from Knight Logistics that I just looked at yesterday, and I, I had to turn the load down because it had it, – it's like they read your book and and had a drinking game to decide how many of the dirty 16 you've listed they could include because it had, you know, the whole load of the seal. They even had the 
the ship, that they had the right to decide disposal, even if a USDA inspector said it was good. Wow, so that's in the that's in the night contract. Yep, night logistics, and I sent it to my insurance agent just so it, because I know my insurance agent mentions so I'm like one of the few people he has to actually read the contracts before signing them, and I know I mean and I actually chose I actually chose to turn down a load that was going to take me within five miles of my house, and it was soda, so probably wasn't going to have the problem. But I just don't want to get in that spot where, you know, five months down the road, I forgot that I signed when, when that you contract. Say, when, you, when, you, when you say soda, do you mean uh, something like Coke or Pepsi? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't haul any, like, chemical stuff at all. Yeah, well, what the reason I ask is because uh, uh, most of the manufacturers of, uh, of soda pop have that reject it, crush it, and dump it. And I have always said, how silly is that? Nobody has unescorted uh, provides for unescorted access to soda pop. Hell, it sits in the damn uh, uh, dispenser. Uh, you know, it could be adulterated at any point of time. Just to say because the seal is Pepsi, man, and it's Coke doesn't mean that Coke ought to trash the whole thing. Uh, uh, I agree that that's a, that's a bridge too far. Uh, you've got my email. I'd love to see that contract. Uh, uh, I, I, have, I hold I hold night in pretty high regard, and I'm sorry to hear that. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay, okay, and I mean, you know, uh, I will say this: uh, there are some some responsible uh, uh, brokers who are taking just the opposite re- uh, approach and are endorsing the protocol and urging urging people to join it because. Uh, 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 it doesn't do them any good to guarantee that the small carrier is going to uh, uh, adhere to it if they run the small carrier out of business. A poor man's indemnity is not worth much. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, uh, if I were in the broker business, I would say I can't make good use of a little guy if I'm going to run him out of business with a claim. Did your insurance company say that, there was any way for him to get you coverage for that kind of loss? Uh, no, because uh, I I sent it to him as an example, and uh, to be honest, I just sent him as an example of just a horrific contract. But I mean, it does actually mention, you know, FISMA and other stuff, and and asks for document training. So it you know it, it's it's tracking that there are new rules, but it just it's just been so far beyond them that I I just felt like I was putting a gun to my head with five bullets in the chamber if I signed it, so I just put the gun down and walked away from the load. Well, the conference I'm at has got some large guys and some little guys, and they're all working through a similar kind of issue in, in auto hauling. It's called total constructive loss, and it's this idea that the OEMs can... Uh, uh, dictate whether or not a new car is crushed, and you know there's there's a consensus here that it doesn't do the industry good to uh, uh, accept those kinds of things and outrun your insurance. And uh, you know uh, you'd like to think that uh, people would uh, realize that you know large carriers need to outsource freight, little guys need to haul it, and that uh, you know what's fair for the goose needs to be fair for the gander. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd certainly like to in- encourage uh, 
small carriers to work with uh, with large carriers who are reasonable. And at some point, uh, uh, I think a responsible broker needs to realize that uh, his greatest asset is his carrier following. Yep. Thanks, gentlemen. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, please do send me that contract. Yeah, appreciate the phone call. Appreciate the phone call. Um, And like I said, everybody, we have the link up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. If you want to get involved with the protocol, I highly recommend and suggest that you do. Um, And also on that same website, the TransCompliler, that's where you can also order Hank's book from there as well. If you use the uh, the code still getting good, Frank. I mean, uh, Hank. Oh, sure it is. Sure it is. All right. So tell, so, tell so if you code. use the code, if you if you use the code R I C O twenty sixteen Rico twenty sixteen, that's going to get you a little. That's going to get you a little bit of a discount off of the book. So you can use that code to get a discount on the book. I highly recommend that you grab that book, add it to your. Uh, library and and hell, you might want to just make sure you keep it in the truck at all times, or whoever is responsible for dealing with your uh, contracts, so that you have that to refer to. And as always, Hank gave us a little bit of legal uh, advice earlier. Uh, good thing that this show was recorded. You can go back and listen to that language that he told us to use whenever you see uh, those addendums pop up from people that you already have contracts with. You can go back and listen to the show and get that word, get that word for word, and write that down, and make sure that you keep that kind of in the back of your mind if that pops up on you. Um, and with that being said, Hank, it looks like uh, you got any any um, any thoughts on the, the the new merger between uh, we were just talking about Knight, but so Knight and Swift is is now making a merger. You got any thoughts on that situation? Well, it actually kind of it actually kind of surprised me. I mean, they're both in. They're both in Arizona, but they kept it on under pretty close wraps. Uh, uh, I've I've met Kevin Knight a couple of times. I think he's a very I think he's a very sharp operator. Uh, uh, I understand that they're planning on keeping the branding as two separates. I, I don't really see how how far that'll that'll last. Uh, uh, I don't I don't really have any great vision on. Uh, on, on what will ultimately do uh, do for the industry, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm concerned about that uh, that judgment against Swift for 44 million dollars on their lease to own uh, program. I think that uh, uh, I don't know how many people on the phone are independent contractors that are buying a unit uh, through a carrier, but that Swift case. Uh, has sent a chill through the whole operation. I think uh, a good a good relationship has been developed between some carriers and independent contractors to make their uh, used equipment available to owner operators. And as long as a independent contractor has portability, so that he can take the truck somewhere else and can build some equity in it, I think it's been a, a, a good for a guy who wants to be an independent businessman. But it looks like uh, uh, that's becoming a, a, a questionable practice uh, uh, for the carriers, and I, I just hope that uh, uh, the independent contractor model survives and that uh, uh, we continue to have an ability for people who have got an entrepreneurial spirit to uh, to buy equipment and to uh, and to manage it and uh, get part of the uh, 
the dream of entrepreneurship through being an independent contractor. I think it's under great under great stress. Now there are a bunch of suits uh, being brought against carriers. Everybody seems to take the point of view that uh, you know, an owner operator should should be an employee and shouldn't have the the tax benefits that goes with being an independent contractor. And I, I personally think that's something that uh, unheard from group is the uh, hundreds of thousands of independent contractors that are going to get hurt in the uh, in the in the uh, process. Uh, sometime we might want to talk about, uh, uh, get the opinion from, uh, from your listeners. Uh, you know, I can imagine that some have had bad experiences with the uh, companies. We don't need to discuss company names. Uh, I, I would hope there would be a large number of people that uh, similarly would say that uh, uh, they uh, got loaded frequently from the guy they were under lease to. They were treated fairly. They bought one truck and we're working on the second or third. Uh, I think, you know, the independent contractor model is the breeding ground for small carriers, and I'd like to see that continued. Uh, so that's an editorial comment, and we can probably save that for for a later discussion. But uh, I, I do think that the uh, that, that there are a lot of Rico Mohammeds that uh, uh, are, are good businessmen working the the, uh, the small carrier independent contractor model and uh, that your voice needs to be hear, heard, uh, particularly when we've got all of this mischief going on in Washington. Absolutely, Hank. Well, uh, we're not going to keep you too much longer for your, from your dinner. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on and, and share with us a little bit of information that you had time to share with us. Uh, the other thing is, about, I, I hate that you know uh, you're right there, you're right there in my backyard, and, and, and I'm not even there. I, I could have maybe came out and, and, and had a little dinner with you while you was in Atlanta. Well, listen, I, I wish you were here, <laughs> but let me tell you, man, if they if they don't keep uh, closing these roads and having this problem down here, it's going to take you all day to get across <laughs> town. Right, right. They got, I tell you, we got roads burning down, roads. Roads in, uh, blowing uh, blowing up from uh, it looks like a gas line or something uh, messed up the I twenty side over there. So it's it's yeah it's a mess over there right now. It is definitely yeah. A mess I've, over I've there. got to, I've got to go home and catch a take, flight in Nashville tomorrow, trucking. and I'm allowing two hours to get through Atlanta. I'm down on the south side of town. Oh, if you're on the south side, you shouldn't be too bad. You right, you should be right there near the airport. Yeah, well, I am at the airport, but I got to go to the Nashville airport, so I got to figure out whether to go up seventy-five or around two eighty-five. Oh, oh, yeah, you gonna go? You want to go around two eighty-five? You want to go around two eighty-five? Yeah, that's you'll what I thought. You, you, you'll avoid most of that going around two eighty-five. Well, listen, Hank, we definitely appreciate you coming on, spending some time with us. You go ahead and enjoy the rest of your evening. Okay, your thanks dinner. much, and, folks, uh, and I'll look forward to doing it next month. Yes, sir. We appreciate it. Hank. Thanks. Bye, bye. Thank you. Good night. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, that was our resident legal expert that was joining us. So now we're going to jump back into, we're kind of going to go in a little bit of a reverse order, jump into uh, this week's report from the um, USDA. USDA, we're going to talk about uh, loads of trucks, shortages of trucks, and on this particular report, We've got a lot of areas. There's been a little bit of movement going on. Uh, we have some shortages being reported out of Central and South Florida right now. 
Of course, if you don't know, melon season is kicking off, getting started. Um, maybe a little bit of a slow, but it's 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 starting to move. It's starting to move, and there's a lot of movement on this report. There's a link to this report on the Facebook page for Race and Lane with Rico Muhammad. You can go over there and click on that link, and then you can get this exact report that I'm reading from right now. So the only area that is showing an outright shortage is that central and south Florida area. We have movements in some a couple of other areas that are showing slight shortages. Areas are central San Joaquin Valley, California, Kern District, California, Oxnard District, California, Salinas Watsonville, California, Santa Maria, California, South Florida is showing a slight shortage. And eastern North Carolina, all of those particular areas that I just rattled off, those areas are showing slight shortages. So you may be able to get a nice spot market rate out of those particular areas if you're uh, entertaining going to those places. We are going to jump over and look at some areas that you might want to be cautious about going into, or you may even want to um, uh, uh, make sure you take your backhaul with you. Now, see, this is where things kind of get a little bit crazy because the first place on this report where I'm telling you be cautious at is a little contradictory. That first place is Florida. <laughs> and we just told you that there were slight shortages in central Florida and south Florida. Well, now on the report is showing that Florida is showing that some areas in Florida is showing that there's a slight surplus. So you have to be careful about where it is that you're going into. Uh, make sure that you already got something lined up if you're going to go into those areas so that you're not exposing yourself. And and I would just advise with, with areas like Florida anyway, just go ahead and try to hold out to get as much money as you can still going into Florida. Don't start cutting rates to get to Florida and think that, oh, well, I'm just going to be able to get down there and get right back out unless you got something uh, pre-lined up before you get there. The next area showing slight surpluses is Minnesota, North Dakota, Red River Valley area, Columbia Basin, Washington, Yakima Valley, Winchie District, Washington, all of those areas are showing slight surpluses. Areas to outright that you might want to outright avoid right now, San Luis Valley, Colorado. They are showing an outright surplus of trucks in that region right now. And that's going to wrap up this week's USDA truck rate report. For a copy of this report, you can, like I said, again, go to the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. You'll see the copy. I got a picture of the report sitting up there. It's the report, the picture with all of the different bars on there. You click on that link, it'll take you to this report. A little bit more detailed information that is, uh, it's, a, uh, it's about a five or six-page report. We only cover, like, the very first page, but there's some other good information to be had in this report. You can go over and click that, and you'll get the latest report right there. Moving right along, jumping over into this week's DAT Trendlines report from uh, the folks over at DAT. Demand slows just before Easter. Spot market volumes usually fall in the week before Easter, with many shippers closing down early on Good Friday and truck drivers trying to get home for the holiday weekend. Some drivers may have settled 
on a lower rate to get home, the national average band rate dipped by one by, by one cent. Flatbed rates held steady, while agricultural markets pushed reefer rates up one cent. So let's take a look and get deeper into the numbers for the van demand and capacity portion of the DAT report for the week of April 9th through the 15th. Demand for vans slipped slightly last week as many shippers closed early for Good Friday and truckers headed home for Easter. Nationally, low posts declined by 8%, while truck postings dropped by 1%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio nationally to fall 6% from 3.4 down to 3.2 loads per truck. The national average van rate was lower last week compared to the previous week. Van load postings increased by 47% in March compared to February. Truck postings rose 13% during that same time span, which led to a 30% increase in the national load-to-truck ratio at 3.2 loads per truck. The ratio was up 98% from where it was in March of 2016. The national uh, load-to-truck ratio is sits right now at 3.2 loads per truck. The national average diesel price was has gained by 0.8%, showing a national average of diesel at $2.60 per gallon. Moving on over and taking a look at the U.S. van rate report for April 9th through the 15th. Spot market van rate slipped one cent last week to an average of $1.68 per mile. Perhaps truckers were willing to accept less in order to get home for the Easter holiday. Van rates fell in Philadelphia and Chicago, but increased in the Stockton, California markets. Uh, the national average van rate increased one cent in March compared to February at a dollar sixty. Three cents per mile. The national average rate was 11 cents higher than in March of 2016. But let's take a look around the country, breaking this report up by regions. Coming out of the northeastern portion of the United States, we are showing average spot market rates for dry vans coming out of Philadelphia at a dollar 66 cents per mile. Dropping down into the southeastern portion of the United States. We show average spot market rates for dry vans at $1.92 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest portion of the United States, Chicago, Illinois, checking in, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $1.94. Down in the south-central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas, checking in, showing average spot market rates at $1.58 per mile. And wrapping up the report coming out of the west coast, Los Angeles, California, being the representative city showing average rates at $1.90 coming out of L.A. right now. Jumping over, moving into the flatbed demand and capacity portion of the DAT trend lines report, for the week of April 9th through the 15th, the flatbed load-to-truck ratio only slightly last week but remains very strong. Flatbed load posts held steady while truck postings dipped by 1%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase 2%, up to 39.7 loads per truck. The national average flatbed rate was unchanged compared to the previous week. 
Compared to February, flatbed load postings rose 45% in March, while truck postings increased 6%. That pushed the load-to-truck ratio up 38% from 26.6 loads per truck up to 36.6 loads per truck nationally. Compared to March of 2016, the ratio has soared by 109%. Let's take a look and see how U.S. flatbed rates were performing over the week of April 9th through the 15th. Despite the normal slowdown that occurs on Good Friday, the Easter holiday weekend, demand was up slightly. Last week, and rates held steady at $2.07 per mile. Fair race rates increased seven cents in March compared to February. The national average of two dollars and three cents per mile was seventeen cents higher than in March of twenty sixteen. Taking a look regionally around the country, beginning out in the northeastern portion of the United States, spot market rates for flatbeds coming out of Harrisburg show three dollars and twenty nine cents per mile. Down in the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia, checking in, the representative city showing spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.42 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Rock Island, Illinois, showing average spot market rates at $2.72 per mile. Down in the south-central portion of the United States, Houston, Texas, checking in, showing average spot market rates at $2.20 per mile. Moving over to the West Coast, Los Angeles, California, uh, excuse me, Representative City, Phoenix, Arizona, showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $1.77 per mile. Jumping over into the reefer demand and capacity report, several produce-growing regions showed strong demand last week, but by the end of the week, slowdown in preparation for the Easter holiday led to a slightly lower demand nationally. Last week, reefer load postings dipped by 2%, while truck postings increased by 2%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to dip to six, dip by 4% down to 6.6 loads per truck. The national average spot market rate for reefers was high last week. Reefer load postings increased 49% in March compared to February. Truck posts rose 14%, which caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase. Team the load-to-truck ratio was up by 99%. Let's take a look and see how reefer rates were performing. Nationally, at the, the national average reefer rate increased by $0.01 cent up to $1.94 per mile. Reefer rates showed gains in many of the top produce markets such as Fresno, Miami, Nogales, Arizona, but dipped in the urban market of Chicago. Spot market reefer rates increased one cent in March compared to February at $1.87 per mile. The March average rate was nine cents higher than it was one year ago. Taking a look nationally by region across the country for reefer spot market rates, Starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey, checking in, showing average spot market rates at $1.71 per mile. Moving down to the southeastern portion of the United States, Lakeland, Florida, checking in, showing average at $1.57 per mile. 
Moving on to Green Bay, Wisconsin, the Midwestern portion of the United States, showing average spot market rates at $2.55 per mile. Moving into the South Central portion of the United States, McAllen, Texas, checking in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $2.05 per mile. Moving on to the West Coast, Fresno, California, checking in, showing average spot market rates at $2.04 per mile. And once again, just like the uh, USDA report, we have a copy of the trend lines report for your viewing pleasure over at the Rate and Lanes with Rico Muhammad Facebook page. We have a copy of it sitting for you over there. You can just go over there, click on the link, and it will take you directly to that same report that we just got finished going over if you want to have it for your archives and for your viewing pleasure it's there for you to do. And this week, getting ready to jump into this week's good, bad, and ugly broker report. And trying to get my report to come up. My computer's moving a little slow today. Thought I had it up already. I was... uh trying to put those links up for the uh, TransComply earlier when Hank was on with us. Probably closed it out. So bear with me just a second. Aha. And this week, let's see who makes entries onto this week's report. Picking up from last week, we have Crestline Transportation Inc., MC number 673791. Trust fund is canceled. Over $30,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Stay Fresh Distributors Inc., this is a shipper. Stay Fresh Distributors Inc., they are out of Brooksville, Florida. Once again, ladies, we just talked about Florida being a hot market. This is something that you got to make sure that you're doing your due diligence on, that you are make sure that you are vetting your customers. This is Stay Fresh Distributors, Inc. They are a shipper. Stay Fresh Distributors, Inc. They're out of Brooksville, Florida. Phone number for them is 352-593-4929. No broker authority or bond. They have over $13,000 of non-payment complaints that have been reported. They are considered an extreme risk. Arrow Logistics, LLC, that MC number is 689-363. Over $30,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. JMC Transport, Transportation Corporation, MC number 582 574. FMCSA shows that the trust fund is scheduled for cancellation on 4-22-17. Over $16,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. And rounding out the list, not a very deep list this week, thank goodness, Omni Specialized LLC. That MC number is 957641. 
over $52,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. It's a lot of money, and that's a newer MC number as well. So like we said, ladies and gentlemen, go over, make sure that you are being diligent in your everything that you're doing. Make sure that you got, uh, if you get a chance, go and grab Hank's book, new book, Rules of the Road. You can get a copy of that new book over at Transcomply. If you want to get involved with the uh, food safety protocol, there's a link for that as well over on the website at transcomply.com. There's a link for you provided for you on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page to get you directly over there. This is some serious, I don't know if, um, if you're not really involved with refrigerated trailers, I guess that maybe I'm seeing it. From from my perspective, because that's kind of what what I do. We are, you know, I primarily deal with refrigerated freight, and I guess I'm seeing it. Uh, I'm, I'm taking it a little bit more urgently than say something else, because it's going to have an effect directly on my business and impact my business. Uh, and I'm seeing a lot of this stuff come down the pipe with the brokers trying to slip some of this stuff in on us. So if you are, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to sound off the alarm because I think when we first started talking about this, we was talk, we were kind of um, touching on this subject about two months ago, maybe even as far back as about three months ago. We were kind of touching on the subject about this FDA thing coming down the pipe. But uh, I don't think that any of us, at least I didn't at the time, uh, understand the, the severity of what we, we may have been facing. And um, so I just want to make sure that everybody is being made aware and that you are watching customers when they're saying, okay, we need you to update your contract information. Make sure that you're watching for the phrases that could cause you a bugaboo. And I would advise, like Hank was saying, we're going to have to start making some tough decisions anyway. Uh, you got to decide whether or not, your business is more important than pulling a one-time freight or maybe narrowing down your list of brokers that you are dealing with to just the ones that understand and are amenable to of your participation in the protocol so that you're not getting caught up and, and uh, putting yourself in your business at risk by dealing with uh, some of these companies that are forcing some of this colonial language in and, and down our throats. We got a caller calling in that wants to ask a question. I'm going to just go ahead and grab them before my uh, cue gets to them. Caller from the 912, you're up and live with Rico. How can we help? Hey, Rico, and I'll tell you, uh, uh, this is a great informational show um, that you guys be putting on um, every week. And, um, and and I'm telling you, the listening to Hank uh, talk earlier, I mean that's really, really disturbing, you know, of the language that that he talked about um, on that provision and stuff that they are putting in these contracts. And I guess my question that I'm asking you is is that um, I'm I'm going to be soon filing for my new authority, and <clears throat> what advice would you give? Someone like me just getting started, not not want to sign these bad uh, contracts, 
But at the same time, by you being brand new out here, um, it just seemed like it may be a little on the tough side to to even get a load, uh, uh, you know, get a load daily or, you know, and I understand the relationship between the carrier and the brokers and everything like that. You know, what advice uh, would you say uh, for a new carrier just getting started, you know, to uh, – to, I don't know. I just, just some type of advice, you know, with all these bad contracts going around. I'm, I'm just wondering. Well, one thing that you definitely can do if you haven't gotten your authority already, if you go over to uh, TransComply and get involved with Hank and those guys, they are, they, they have a, uh, a processor agent for you, and you're going to have to have one of those when you get your authority anyway. And if you sign up with them right. to let them be your process agent then you will get a free copy of that book, Rules of the Road. You don't even have to pay for it. They give it to you free as, as, as you know, with you signing up for them. It's important to have that book because then once you begin to read it, you will become more aware of all of the language that you need to look out for in these contracts and how some, how to mitigate some of them and how to work your way around some of them. That would be that. That right there is is critical. That is key. That is a key component because if you, you don't know what you don't know, so you want to educate right. yourself to understand what it is that you need to be looking for. Second thing that I would advise, and, and I'm strongly advising a lot of people, um, make sure that you get a good uh, customer service software that you can kind of keep track of of the things that you're doing. It'll it'll help in the long run with um, with your accounting and everything else. But the main thing is that when you put your brokers in there, you can kind of put, uh, um, if it's set up where you can put internal notes about your brokers and you can set up credit limits and stuff like that, so that when you, if, if you happen to have a broker that you got credit limits on or something like that, um, before it will allow you to go in and enter a load or book a load, if you put that, name in there. Similar to how the brokers already treat most of the carriers. You ask for their MC number or whatever and they and you pull them up as they pull you up and you can see whether or not in, in your database that hey, okay, they 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 are in pretty good shape with me credit wise or hey, they still got a load that we have pulled that was forty five days ago that they haven't even paid yet. Um, right. it'll, it'll help throw you a, throw, throw a red flag for you. And sometimes little things like that can get missed because it's something that if you got it in a different program, but if you're running all of your stuff through uh, one of these uh, newer CRM programs that, that can help uh, alert you before you get caught in a situation like that, that definitely helps um, helps on the front end before you get and, and you gotta uh you you get a mess around and pull two loads for a broker that hadn't paid you for the the, the first load right. that you pulled forty five days ago. So stuff right. like that, you know, that definitely will will help help you out. Make sure that you are uh, avail yourself to uh, you know you listening to Kevin Rutherford and, and those guys and learn the main thing especially is make sure that you learn your numbers. The CRMs and all that stuff is just is another tool that'll help help you put your numbers in, in line and intact, but make sure that you are intimately aware of where your numbers stand. Make sure that you understand what your daily costs are, your 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 uh your your weekly costs are, 
what those fixed costs are, what those variable costs are. Make sure that you understand, you know, how to sit down and project that stuff out. And uh, if you don't, I think that I got a link of that. Uh, there's a spreadsheet that I had. I think that I have a link of that spreadsheet up on the Rachel Lane's Facebook page. If not, I'm going to go back and double check. If not, I'm going to post a link to help you calculate, uh, do some projections for your um, cost per mile, your daily cost, your your weekly cost, all that different information. I'll, I'll post a little spreadsheet to help you out with that. Um, and, and, you know, that's enough homework to kind of get you started down the road and, and, and to put you up. Yes, sir, go ahead. Right. Uh, um, you know, all of that that you're saying, uh, you know, I already have all that. I'm using the uh, software, the uh, profit gauges and the uh, fuel gauges and, and you know, knowing cost per mile and stuff like that. I am doing all of that. Good, and I'm good. telling you, that good. is a great, great blessing to me in that area. But um, I, and I, and I, I may have posed the question wrong to you, but I was just saying with all these provisions that's in this in these contracts and a new carrier just starting out, um, it's easier for you know if you go against the broker and say no I can't sign this contract if you could if you're able to take this out or take this section out or change this section, they may look at you and say no we're not going to do it and you move on and then whenever you're trying to build a reputation on the carrier side. And you coming in making all these demands, um, it just seemed like to me that the that you're going to be short, um, you know, at the end of the week, sort of, you know, sort of speak. Well, that, that, that's kind of like we were just talking about a little earlier. I know it's it, it's kind of feels like you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, and sometimes you, you right. feel like a one-legged man in the ass-kicking contest to a certain degree. Um, the, the the only thing that that the advice that I can give you on that portion is you have to be uh, right now there is the pendulum is swinging back into uh, the motor carrier's favor as far as um, there, there's way more capacity that, that you know, that there's way more, uh, uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm getting my words confused. There's, there's way more freight out there than there is capacity because right now, we're coming into produce season, so we're starting to get us. We're starting to get the ratios are starting to go back into the favor of the motor carrier. When that, okay. when the situations are like when when it's when the situation is like that, it it breeds an environment to where you can be more selective and you can be uh, uh, scrutinize things a little bit more, and the brokers are a little bit more pliable to negotiate those situations when those because they have to have those trucks, just like you have to have that freight wool. They have to have those trucks as well. So right now, this right. is a great opportunity to take advantage of that and be able to try to get some of that stuff mitigated out of some of those contracts if you negotiate them or, or, or and deal with them, you know, um, deal with them properly. So you have to take advantage of the timing right now. Okay. Okay. I got All right. you. That, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. And I do appreciate you taking my call. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for participating. Thank you for the support. And let's go and grab Bruce before we get up out of here. Bruce, you're up and on with Rico. How can we help? Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Maybe it didn't take. Let me make sure that. Let's play. 
click that. And now let's there? click that. All right, Bruce. Now we got you in there. A little bit of a technical glitch. Can you hear me now? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, my friend. Hey, thanks for having your show. I mean, it's a you're a breath of fresh air every week, and the knowledge that you put out is is ir- irreplaceable in many ways. Uh, question about TransComply. I signed up for it, and I'm a lot more relieved to realize that it's part of Hank Seaton's company because when I first signed up, I was a little dubious about it, although a couple of the customers I used were demanding it, so I didn't really have a choice. Uh, but uh, with TransComply, since I'm a member of that now, is that going to give me a leg up on a lot of these brokers and just say, hey, I'm a member of TransComply and I I am now, you know, got to have some legitimacy with them? Or how is that going to work? Do you know? Uh, well, we had Hank on a little earlier, Bruce. I don't know how long you got a chance to listen to the show. Uh, and we kind of yeah, talked about that thing. situation. Yeah. I'm sorry? I said I listened to the whole show. I just... You know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he talked about he talked about where you know when you when you get a broker that's trying to force that those those different stipulations and stuff down on you that uh, it would be wise. He gave us some language, so it's a good thing that we got that on the recorded yeah. portion of the show. He gave us some language to use to help to kind of help push back, and you know, and basically he was saying that you know you, that, that you're demanding unreasonable and uninsurable uh, claims that we, that we can't even insure. So, um, you know, we we need to go back and maybe get that exact wording word for word, and I might I might try and take some time out to go back and transcribe that and put that up on the uh, Race and Lanes Facebook page um, just so that we have that out there. But, yeah, definitely I think that being a member of TransComply is definitely going to be a feather in your cap. And I think that, um, you know, once and if you get people to go in and see that uh, you, you refer your brokers to go over and see that you are a member because they have a portal set up over there for brokers where they can just go in and click and see that you are right. a member, that you are compliant. So I think that that definitely is going to be a help. Now, have you a by you being a member already, have what have you experienced so far with uh, with that membership well, when you're I, dealing with brokers? I I I received an email from Coyote about six weeks ago stating that if I was going to continue hauling for them, I would have to be a member of TransComply, and so I I signed up strictly because of them. And I have not used them for a load since then, but I did, you know, when I got my certification from them, what I did is I took a, a uh, so they sent me an email, and I, I saved that email, and I added that to my carrier packet that I send out to all, you know, whenever I sign up with a new carrier, I have, you know, you know a, a cover page, my you know, authority, my insurance, you know, all the the stuff about me, but then I also put a page for that in there so that they will see that right away in my carrier packet that that I am a member of that. So, you know, I, I can't say it's done me any good to this point, but, you know, I hopefully being proactive will be an advantage in the future. 
Absolutely. I think it always is. I think it definitely always is being proactive, getting ahead of the curve. And like I said, you know, I really wasn't, when we first started talking about this thing, it was like, eh, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But, but now that it's come, it's kind of went into effect, man, I, I, you know, it's really kind of been eye-opening because every single broker um, that, that, that I've had to deal with, or you know, they, they are making sure that they are slipping or trying to slip something in there with some crazy language attached to it. And but but from my experience, by being a member of the protocol, it, it has definitely helped helped me mitigate on some of those uh, different things without having to sign some of those crazy contracts. And you know, it, just to get the ball rolling and and being ahead of the curve. Um, so that that's definitely it's, it's been a plus. So I advise anybody you know to make sure that they take advantage of that. Well, having. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm trying to work on a – I got a little bit of glitch going on on my end. No, I was just going to say the, the the pitfalls that Hank was talking about earlier were eye-openers to me also, you know, where basically the receiver, if they decided the load was contaminated, there was no recourse to the carrier. It's going to the dump, and you're responsible for it. And, you know, in the real business world, I don't see how that can – necessarily fly but i guess you know some people if you give them an inch they'll try to take a foot and so you know that that was one of the things that that kind of struck me as being pretty draconian that one person because the seal was allegedly broken can reject the load and and there's no recourse anymore for it right Right, and that's that's the uh, that's the unfortunate part of it, and and then you know, Bruce, you know, from conversations that we've had previously, and even before when, before we even got into the food safety modernization act, when we were just talking about just your basic broker contract and some of the the, the draconian stuff that they had by you signing away so many of your rights in the and 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 some of the broker contracts, you know, we've always kind of advocated for. You know, let's just do good, solid business. You know, you want to, you need something done. I'm willing to do it, but let's be fair and equitable with one another. And and it just seems that, unfortunately, I, I guess it's the American way, is that um, as much as we can, let's let's do this this kind of uh, win lose approach to to business, and and let's get as much stuff as we can. On 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 our side, that's good, and let's take away as much stuff as we possibly can from those that are smaller or maybe a little bit less savvy than 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 we are. Um, I don't know if if the people that are listening in got a chance to catch uh, the new podcast that Kevin Rutherford did uh, earlier this week on Monday uh, with the brokers, and he was making it very clear, and it's something that we've been trying to do here by helping get information out and educating people, is that. Um, you know, as as motor carriers and as small guys, as as one, two, as small, you know, small truck carriers, we have to make sure that we're doing more of an more and more education when it comes to the business side of our industry. If we are not keeping ourselves abreast and aware of what is going on um, when it comes down to the, the, the you know just the the, the brass tacks of 
dotting the I's and crossing the T's when it comes to our business, and then we get caught up in a situation when it's too late, you know, uh, you know, then there's not a whole lot that we can do about it. But if we start educating ourselves early, getting ahead of the situation, and, and seeing, okay, that this has a potential to be a problem, you know, either we can avoid it altogether by not even dealing with it, or we can address it on the front end, and so that we, so that if if it does become a problem, then we got some stuff, we got some protections in there for ourselves to make sure that we're not the ones that's going to get scapegoated down the road on some on 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 a BS clause that we didn't notice in the contract. We were just we were moving too fast and we're just trying to get get some freight on the truck. So, you know, we got to make sure that we are staying abreast and staying and educating ourselves and becoming just as savvy as our broker counterparts when it comes to these different things. If not, we will continue to be the the doormats of this industry and we will continue to be, get trampled and walked upon because we don't know any better. Well, one other thing, Rico, I think we need to remember is that we need to be proactive on our management of our business. Absolutely. You know, if your reefer is downloadable, by all means, be able to do that. That's a protection that you have that your your reefer did the job it was supposed to do, and there's some other reason that maybe is out of your control why that load is, for whatever reason, is now being rejected or uh I I still contend that if a shipper is that concerned about temperature, why don't they just put a tattletale in the trailer? Let that be the arbitrator well, of, of you know the the you know some of that stuff rather than you know being so you know taking these draconian measures right away that you know we're going to condemn the whole load because we can. Well, you just said something else, Bruce. About we have to be uh, uh, proactive about our business. And someone sent me a link a couple of weeks back when we were kind of touching on this subject. Um, they sent me a link to some uh, uh, downloadable information, reusable kind of like tattletales that you can actually hook up to your laptop and download that information. Um, and I'll see if I can get that link and post it back up. But they, it, but that was something that if you don't have a downloadable reefer, then uh, um, you can buy your own. Uh, buy your own uh, uh, recordable temperature uh, recorder and, and put it in your trailer. Make sure you have it in your trailer, and that will that that will suffice just as good as as your downloadable uh, information off of your reefer. Yeah. So I'll, I mean, I'll see are, if I can grab that. I mean, there are sorry, relatively inexpensive. I mean, I say there's relatively inexpensive ways for a person to be proactive if you choose to be. And like you said earlier, you really don't you re, you're not going to have a problem until you have a problem, and then it's too late to do anything about it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know we went a, we we went a little bit over time, Bruce. You got anything else that you want to get in before we get up out of here? I was going to ask you quickly about your bad broker list, Crestline Logistics. You talked about. Do you have a city and state where they're from? Because I know there's several different crest lines out there, and I'm hoping that the one that that you're talking about isn't the one I do business with. Uh, hold on a second. Let's see. Give me a second. Let me pull them up. 
pull up more detailed information on them. My computer's thinking about. It. I was having a little bit of a glitch earlier with my internet. It was it was yeah. it was going in and out, and um, um, hopefully it's back in. See if it pops up here. Okay. They are out of Eagle Point, Oregon. Okay, that's a different one than what I've done business with, and thankfully, but. Uh, the thing that, you know, but your bad broker list, it doesn't take one week of a broker hauling half a dozen loads that they can get in arrears pretty bad. You know, they can Absolutely. get up against their bond limit, you know, in, with, in almost no time. And I know Kenny Long posted something yesterday on Facebook that was a copy and paste, I think, of, of a question someone else had asked in a different forum. Right. Yeah, and I've seen was, that. You saw that. Okay. Basically... If you you need to start filing against the broker's bond immediately when they're past due because it only snowballs and, and gets bigger and bigger and and it's like everything else, if there's a hundred thousand dollars of bad freight and there's only seventy five thousand dollars bond, you're only gonna get seventy five cents on the dollar if you get that much. And so Absolutely. You wanna you, know, you wanna get in on that early. You don't wanna be you don't wanna be one of the last ones to get in. You wanna get in on that early because if it goes if it goes bad. So so absolutely I, I, I agree. Uh I think Mr. Tim Helper he had an excellent uh he commentary on that. He, you know, he says he forty five days is his drop dead date and I think that's absolutely correct. Anything past forty five days but that kinda that kinda goes back to a lot of us are not uh, you know, a lot of us are not really running our business. Our business, our business is running up, <laughs> and so yeah. that's why I was saying about getting that, getting that, uh, that CRM so that you can kind of make sure that you're staying abreast of that. So that you make sure that you're going. That not only are you putting your customers into, you, I mean, your software is only as good as the information that you put into it. You know, you're only going to get out of it what you input into it. So when if you're going to take the time to make to, to put the uh, to put your customers and everything and build this database into your CRM, make sure that you're going back on the back end at least uh, every two weeks or so and going back and checking them off when the invoices have been paid, marking them paid or marking them not paid, so that you can actually kind of really keep a, a, a track of this thing. It's something that you probably should be doing, uh, you know, uh, taking an hour out of every day and doing anyway. Uh, if you're, you know, one truck operator, if you don't have anyone else doing that, that's something that you kind of need to be on top of to have your finger on top of that anyway. But I understand that sometimes things get away, but you, 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 you definitely got to make sure that you're taking that time out to make sure that your, your input is going to give you your proper output that you want to get from that software and from the information that is available to you. Yeah, sometimes a manila pad that you use is probably about as, efficient as a computer program if you just write everything down and keep keep a log of it you know any way you do it is is a good way to you know keep keep abreast of what's happening but uh well you don't want to be like something the reason i, I recommend I, I you know something a little bit with technology you, you don't want to be like some poor guy i, I pulled up at the fuel island 
and uh and, and his uh and his legal pad was sitting there at the fuel line. I guess you know he was writing down his numbers and, and the poor guy <laughs> ran off and left and forgot his legal pad sitting right there at the fuel line. So that's not gonna do you a whole lot of good. <laughs> no. no, well I, my luck is I'd leave the laptop or my, my tablet somewhere and then I wouldn't wouldn't have it either. But yeah, you're right. But no, you <laughs> manage you gotta manage your business. That's that's the bottom line. You just have to be able to you know, and there's there's a lot more to it than just putting the truck in the wind and driving down the road some days. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Bruce, we're going to get out of here and grab one more call before we get wrap it up for tonight. We appreciate the phone call. Let's go and grab John really quickly. John, you're up live with Rico. How can I help? Well, hey, Rico. I've been uh, listening to your program off and on for, you know, several months. Um it's very, very informative. Lots of lots of information. <clears throat> um, I did try to, you know, do a truck and a van, make it make it work, and I said, "Oh, I'm not ready," so I pulled back. But my primary primary work that I do is uh, intermodal, and I have more of a request than a question. Um, <clears throat> I've been reading information like the cast trans uh, cast transportation report about how the Intermodal process works and how it's gone year to year. Okay, but that's only one piece. Okay, um, and uh, there's a lot of other unknowns. So I've tried to use what you give to kind of fall back into the intermodal. And I understand that what I do is more what you refer to as spot market intermodal. Okay, that's what it's referred to. And um, I see a lot of fluctuation and a lot of um, I guess excuses, you know. So there's so many different small owner operators running their own businesses, right? Um, and I guess they're just happy to just kind of roll. But I'm, I'm just I'm not happy with that. I need I need better forecasting, better information from who I lease on to. Is there any way to, if you could add to your show about that type of market, the intermodal? I know you do the vans, you do the reefers, you do the do the flatbeds. Can you add that so that I can kind of, and I'm sure there's other people that listen out there that would be very useful to help understand why this market goes up and down. I mean, it just really can dip down. Um, but it seems like it doesn't recover very well. And that, uh, I said, I know you have brokers, you have bad brokers, but I also have experienced bad intermodal companies, you know, story, lies, try to take money from you, um, make you uh, do things that are, like like you're talking about, you know, being responsible for food that goes bad. Um, and I read that, I read that about the EPA coming down with that and making, trying to, it's trying to blame somebody when that process goes through, uh, for whatever reason, something goes bad, you know, seal broken or or somebody rejecting it for whatever reason. But the same thing is the case with intermodal. You can't control what happens on the train. You can't control what is done in that yard. But, you know, wanting to bring down cost per mile, which affects your percentage, which affects kind of everything else, you know, and I like to see reports on uh, bad uh, intermodal companies that are, you know, bad to work for. Oh, um, don't pay their bills. I will see like what that. I can. 
I will see what I can find out about that. Intermodal is a um, there, there, there. I was kind of dipping my toe in some of that stuff a, a while back, um, and I'll, I'll have to go back and, and look at the. Uh, but one of the places that you can get some information from, I'm not sure if you're familiar with their uh, one of their uh, load boards is loadmatch.com. Is the name of their load board. Yeah, loadmatch.com. You can go there. They got some pretty good information there. And actually, I think you can look at loads on that board without even uh, uh, for free. I believe for you can't really book anything, but you can you can mm-hmm. see you can see uh, different loads that may be available uh, in those okay. areas. If I remember correctly, they may have switched it up. Um, but there's a lot of information that can be had over at loadmatch.com, and I will try to do a little bit of research to see what I can find to see if uh, and, and maybe uh, touch base with some people over at Loadmatch to see if they can get me some kind of uh, information or stuff, something that I can provide uh, here on the podcast to help some of you guys out that may be uh, working over there on the intermodal side. But, yeah, so that, that gives me a little bit of homework that I can work on um, and so give me a little bit of time, and I'll see what I can come up with on that. And uh, sure, hopefully we'll be, be able to uh, be able to help you out with that. Yeah, I mean, any, you know, you give so much information. I, I love it. Um, you know, I get, get like, uh, overwhelmed with the information, but I like it because it gives me stuff to do and, you know, gives myself homework to do. But, like I said, I'm, I'm, uh, I do all intermodal. Um and if you can, you know, like I said, incorporate that. I mean, I, you know, not talking tomorrow, but if you can somehow start incorporating that. Wow, that would help help me tremendous. And maybe even start putting pictures together of, you know, why my van project. I, I'm, I'm not even going to say it worked. It, it didn't work. And and, and I, I, I realized a lot of things why it didn't work. And so, you know, listening to your face, it, it's helping me. Okay, i got to regroup. I want to get out of this intermodal because it's so it's so much like a I refer to it like a black hole. <laughs> it's just so unknown. Um, yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a different a, a different kind of it's a different beast over on that side of the business. Definitely. It, but but yeah, it seems like more. I mean, there's a there's a, a toss up between drive-in work and intermodal work. Okay, you know, do. Do I want a truck to run all over the United States, or do I want that train to run? I pick it up and I get my freight faster. You know what I mean? There's, it seems like a pendulum, and uh, sometimes it it goes one way, it goes the other way. But the thing that is definitely blowing it out of the sky right now is this uh, reefer work and flatbed work. But I mean, there is reefer work in intermodal, okay? And it's starting. We got to follow the same rules, okay? But what makes it even scarier is about what happens if it gets contaminated from the time I pick up that reefer from a private yard, go to the customer, let's say out in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, pick up whatever air soil, you know has on there and bring it back and something happens. Right. Where is the blame going to happen? And, and, that, and that, that, that terrifies me because bullets come down, I don't know, I mean, they're going to blame the driver, they're going to blame the carrier, they're going to blame the broker. Somebody's going to somebody's gonna be the fall person. So, I mean, if you can provide any kind of information, that would be wonderful. And then I just want to say, I love listening to your show. Well, John, I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for the phone call. 
we're going to get ready to wrap it up and get on up out of here. We're definitely going to uh, we'll put that on our, on our homework assignment and, and looking to see if we can provide some more forecast information for the intermodal segment of the trucking population. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Rates and Lanes podcast. We went a little bit longer than what we normally do, uh, a little bit of a different show tonight. Format kind of got switched around, but we made our way through it, had a couple of little kinks. But like I said, we made our way through it. Uh, thank you guys once again. want to send a shout-out and a thanks back on the home front. My daughter, little Miss Manaya, she was helping us out tonight, screaming phone calls. Give her a round of applause. We thank you, Manaya. Miss you. We love you. We'll see you soon. And uh, definitely want to thank Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for providing us with a platform to be able to bring this show to you. And we want to thank the entire Let's Truck team for helping uh, do all the little stuff behind the scenes, Bridget, for making sure that the texts are, are going out on time and, and, and uh, properly worded. We definitely want to thank everyone that has has a hand in making the show do what it does. Thank you. Most importantly, goes out to you guys, the listeners and supporters of the show. Tell a friend about the show. Make sure you go and follow us on Facebook at the Rates and Lanes Facebook page with Rico Muhammad. And we'll see you guys, God willing, at the same time, same place next week. Until then, be safe out there, everybody. God bless you. Keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise, and we'll talk to you next week. Good night. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.